Chess Smith, we're back on the grid oh with David Lee Scales and the Hamburglar. Oh my goodness, I am the Hamburglar. <laughs> I, I wore something different for you today. I kept the pants and shoes the same, but I changed up the top just for you. Um, stole some hamburgers on your way to, to the podcast. You know what I'm excited about, speaking of stealing hamburgers? Tell me. Have you had the legendary Popeye's chicken sandwich yet? No. I haven't either, but I have purposed. I found one in Oceanside, and I'm going to pick one up on the way home from the grit today. Meaning you found a Popeye's? Yes. Okay. Yep. Because, so I knew nothing about it until it made news story during the pandemic or something where they were sold out? Yeah, I mean, I think it hit even before the pandemic, if I recall. I think Popeye's chicken sandwich beat Chick-fil-A's in some taste testy thing. And then it was mass hysteria to go get Popeye's. And I think black people who are typical Popeye's customers were furious because I think even Saturday Night Live did a sketch about it because uh, white people were just like flooding in, eating all these chicken sandwiches. I think they were fully sold out of many locations. So I'm going to be one of those white people today. So you and I did discuss this. It's all coming back to me now. Yep. I don't know if it was on air or not, but... Uh, my problem is I don't know where a Popeye's is. So that's the thing. Okay. I, I Googled, found one, and we'll hit it on the way home. Got it. Excited. Got it. Now I'm fully caught up to speed. Yeah. Now, I love the idea. Is it actually going to be good? Or is it just going to be fast food good? Well, I think it's going to be good. Really? I'm, I'm holding hope that it's going to be good. Like proper good. Proper good. It's mm. funny. Guess who reached out to me, re our fast food conversation? Of all the people you could think who gave me Somebody a very really fit. a very thoughtful note rating his favorite burgers uh, <laughs> with other like nuances about them and things like that. Like a, a nice detailed I have email. No clue who. Bob Hurley. Shut up. Yeah, how good is that? <laughs> yep. How did what's his ranking? I can't remember. It was like he was he was definitely pro the uh, the thin patty on the burger. Not not overwhelming the burger with thick patty. And then he also shared a recipe of putting how I could do it at home with onions, I think, uh, mashed into the bur- into the thin burger patty to bring mm. maximum flavor to the table. Yeah, it was like, wow. which I'm going to do. Let's, so, get it, let's get him on the podcast. Thanks. We won't talk any surfing at all. Just burgers. Mainly burger talk, maybe a chicken sandwich. I mean, burgers with Bob could be a <laughs> podcast in and of itself. We could do taste tests. Yeah. I'm totally down. Let's start burger. Bob, burgers with Bob is coming. Um, I made a burger at home after that conversation, maybe a day or two later. Was it not very good? It was phenomenally good. And I took a photo of it in the moment, but I was like, I'll send this to Jazz tomorrow or something. And I just never got around to sending it. Did you get a good photo? Was there like a little bit of blood dripping from the meat? Do you want to see it? I do want to see okay, it. Hold on. <laughs> You're going to criticize because... The burger is going to be too thick. The patty, it? the patty's thick, but... It's hard to deny the quality of this burger. Let me see. Oh, that's a fine looking burger right there with a nice big beefsteak tomato on there. How gross is the name beefsteak tomato? It's a gross name, but that's a good looking burger. You got the cheese really right on that thing. Phenomenal. Is that a, is that a pretzel bun? It is a pretzel bun. Oh, How man. do you feel about the pretzel bun? I love the pretzel bun. Pretzel bun is a win. And I don't think I've ever had a bad pretzel bun, to be honest. Pretzels in general. Soft pretzels. Yeah, good. Are amazing. But I agree. Pretzel bun is a phenomenal addition to the culinary landscape, which I'd say is maybe 15 years old. Pretzels existed. Buns existed. But 15 years ago, they mashed them together. Pretzels and buns. Now they do them with a hot dog even occasionally. Mm. Oof. But, you know, again, back to our original burger talk, which was, I like a classic burger. 
And it's fine if it has foie gras and blue cheese and all that other stuff, but that's a different thing. It's Sometimes you just want a, a fancy burger. burger. Right. Yeah. So we got back from the dog park, swing into the grocery store. I go in to get the burger, the buns, and I'm texting feverishly with Lauren. And I'm sending her photos like sesame seed bun, potato uh, bread bun, pretzel bun. What do we do here? And it was a lot of confusion. I stood there for three minutes trying to figure it all out. Have you ever gone Hawaiian roll bun? I have. Yeah, absolutely. The sweet, this little bit of sweet in there. But really, if you have a good pretzel bread option, I don't know how pretzel bread is not the call every time. It's going to honestly. Or more times than not. Because that burger you just looked at is a classic burger but with a pretzel bun. And honestly, I think it replaces the sesame bun. A little fancy on top. Yeah, I mean, sesame bun, you know, give or take sesame seeds. I think that, uh, is it sesame seeds or what are the little black ones? Uh, black ones that exist on bagels? Yeah. Maybe poppy? Poppy seeds, that's the one. If you eat too many poppy seeds, did you know you can test positive for heroin? I did. I don't think that's true. Is I it think a, people it use a, it as an excuse wise. when they test positive <laughs> for, for opioids. Um, but let's get let's focus on the sesame seed for a second. Yeah. I mean, do they only exist on hamburger buns? Where else in, world, in the world does a sesame seed exist? In tahini. That's true. The, oh, you're right. The, the Mediterranean paste. Mediterranean dip. The which Egyptian I use all the time. dip, yeah. Tahini's great. That's sesame seed. Okay, so sesame seeds are prolific in other parts of the world. Yep, just not... I mean, here we use them for our hamburger buns solamente. I was just thinking, if sesame seeds disappeared off the planet, Americans would never be the wiser. Except for tahini. I feel that there's... Americans. Enough Americans who eat... T- like, 4% of the population would be fairly devastated. All right. Fair enough. No. Oh. Now, I, I'll take back that statement. Yeah. Um, okay, so Popeyes, I'm excited. I need an update later today. I will I will text you a picture and an update on how it, ta- how it ranks to both the fancy chicken sandwich and also the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Side note, yesterday morning, because on chicken sandwiches, I'm thinking sometimes it's on a biscuit. Yeah. I don't know if Popeyes... Chick-fil-A does their breakfast chicken okay. sandwich on a biscuit, which is... Better than their regular chicken sandwich for my money. Okay. When they first rolled that out, they were giving them... So I rolled into Chick-fil-A to get a chicken sandwich one day. And they they were giving away breakfast sandwiches uh, just promotionally. Like, try this. This is our new breakfast chicken sandwich. Mm. Uh, I ate my breakfast chicken sandwich and then was full for my chicken sandwich that I purchased and was sad about it. But the breakfast chicken sandwich was so good that it invalidated... Their regular one. Which was their exact purpose. Not to invalidate the other, but to get you hooked. It, it sort of backfired, though, because I don't go out for fast food often for breakfast. Uh, but I, it made me stop going to Chick-fil-A full stop. Mm. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't really care about their other one anymore. I just wanted their breakfast one. So their plan exactly worked, but you're an outlier. I don't know how they could have factored in the way that your brain works. Like, okay, he's going to love it, which means he'll never come back. What? Yeah, that's what happened. Um. So yesterday morning, I woke up in San Luis Obispo and, you know, Yelp coffee shops and this place Scout pops up. And so I go there and in their pastry aisle, they had um, biscuits, Mm -hmm. their pastry case, like all these fancy pastries and then just plain old buttermilk biscuit with butter and raspberry jam. You got that. Of course. And the best thing ever. Best thing I've ever eaten. And sometimes this happens where it's the most simple thing. Often it's bread, actually, where I eat it and I go, this is as good as food gets. I don't think you can improve upon a buttermilk biscuit. No. 
it's as good as things get. Texture-wise, flavor-wise. Filling? Totally filling. I, I totally agree. Biscuits and gravy. Have we talked about biscuits and gravy? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Remember I ordered it for you in Florida. Yeah, exactly. My favorite food on any bre- breakfast menu, biscuits and gravy. Yeah. A good buttermilk biscuit with a nice sausage gravy. Mm-hmm. Salty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I really had an epiphany yesterday with biscuits. I was yeah. like, I don't know why I try to make like fancy things and try it. Just stick with a biscuit. You're a baker cooker, man. I think that biscuits are relatively easy to make they at are. home. Yeah, they totally are. The other thing I feel this way about is a strawberry. Uh-huh. There's no way to improve upon a strawberry. Good. Do you like your strawberries big or the little ones? Bigger. Medium really? size. Well, medium size. I really love a small strawberry. It's a different breed though, right? I don't think it is. I think the bigger ones are just filled with genetically modified things. Possible. And the small ones are... The natural strawberry. I feel like even um, like a chocolate covered strawberry, it's really good, but it's not an improvement upon no. a strawberry. A strawberry pie is actually a downgrade. Strawberry a regular, pie is not very good. No, a regular strawberry is better than a strawberry pie. For sure. So anyways, uh, we got feedback from last. Oh, by the way, we're at Album Surfboards in our brand new studio. I'll tell you, I didn't think Album could uh, improve upon its last space. And I don't think this, this is not going to be open to the public, is it? Is this just the offices? So I think that room over there is going to be a retail space. Okay. I mean, this space is even better. And maybe it is purely the historical juice imbued from, who is the shaper here? Jed Noll. Yeah. Noll. Yeah. Noel, Greg Noll's kid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did what's the name? Jed? Jed Noll? Jed. Yeah. J-E-D. Jed Knoll. Yeah. Did Jed Knoll ever make a model of a surfboard called Double? I don't think so. Do you think that Greg Knoll copyrighted Double or trademarked it? He would have been wise to. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't have. Could have sued Saturday Night Live for their Double's sketch, the Bears and Double's. That's true. Yeah. And maybe even Red Bull he'd have a case against. Would have been smart. Um, but this space studio or uh, album built this studio out for us. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So shout out to Album, Album Surfboards. Swing by. Um, feedback from last week. We recorded, you were in Jackson, Wyoming. Was. How was your drive back? It was great. Yeah? Yeah, good. How Stopped in hours? Vegas. Uh, it was, we, 10 plus hour to Vegas and then the four. four yeah, four back home. Okay. But Vegas was pure apocalypse. It was amazing. It is Absolutely. I wish that I could go back today. Meaning like it's people are there? No, tours? nobody is there. Oh, okay. There's like a exact cross-section of the people who are typically there. Uh, <laughs> minus 90% of them, okay. right? And so you have the two older Chinese businessmen. You have the four uh, kind of boys trip dudes. Yeah. You have the man dating the Asian woman. You have the exact cross cross section you see every time you go to Vegas. The bookie, like the sports book gambler yep. addict guys. Precisely. But yeah. usually, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of each. Right. Now there is five of each. And so the casino floor stayed at the Encore, uh, which apparently closes every, so we stayed Sunday night, closes every Monday through and then reopens again Thursday. Wow. Uh, and so it's like, get your car out of the parking lot. If your car's in the parking lot past noon on Monday, 
come back on Thursday and get it wow. basically. Uh, but floor is empty. Everything is empty, but everything is still open. And so it just has a, uh, kind of the rapture came. Yeah. Everyone went to heaven except for the four bros, the one man dating an Asian, right. the two older Chinese guys. Like, was it super cheap? Uh, cheap. Like Vegas typically is, I think off season Vegas, like, okay. yeah you know, food prices and everything are same, but the rooms, I think more plentiful. You could, if you wanted to go super cheap, I think that like MGM was offering rooms for 19 bucks or something, maybe 24, but yeah, like fairly typical low season Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have a need to ever go to Vegas again in my life. Oh, I love it. I know you do. We've had this talk I too, love but Vegas, but the scenario you just described, I'd go just for the novelty. It is worth it. It is worth, I mean, you could take your girl out for a weekend in Vegas. Uh, I, the pools are open. Everything's right. open. It's just, nobody's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime kind of it thing is. to take advantage of. It is. Remember vanilla sky. Where, the movie? Yeah, where Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is yeah. running through Times Square and it's yes. empty. He's in a dream. And, yes. But when I watched that movie, it was just surreal. That's reality. That now. is, that that is, is what Times Square looks like. That's what Vegas looks like. You walk through the casino floor on the Encore, at least on Monday morning, and the dealers are there. You know, half the table or more than half the tables are shut down, but the dealers are there. The servers are there. The staff is there. People are not there. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. It's it's a really sad time, actually, in terms of imagine carrying all that cost. If yeah. you're the business owner, and certainly for, I don't feel as bad for the casino owner as I do for, for local. Wynn. I think Steve Wynn yeah. is. <laughs> I feel much worse for our local restaurants sure. and things like that. But, I mean, it, this is unsurvivable. Yeah. There's nobody with enough. There's 99% of business owners don't have the financial wherewithal to have survived the first nine month thing, but now kind of looking outward, it's another year. It's indefinitely. I mean, the the vaccine is here and doesn't seem like it's done anything in terms of, yeah. Okay. Vaccine's here. Now everybody can open back up. Nope. It's really crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. But we're podcasting through it all. Our costs are nil. (laughs) I mean, really, they're really low. Yeah. So we can kind of just power through, but we can keep the doors of our podcast business open. Thanks to album. Yeah. Um, So a professor sent this note, which we can kick off the show with, said you were spot on for pushing back on Chaz's original flippant response to the political siege or the Capitol building siege. Uh, I teach political science, American politics and democracy. Nonetheless, this was one of the first times I've actually been speechless. My students emailed me as it was happening, asking me what the hell was going on. For most of my time teaching, I've been able to explain these things and calm my students down. Last week was the first time I've had to tell them I honestly have no clue what's happening. I've talked them through the 2016 election, racial protests, the death of RBG, and the rest of the uh, Trump term. This left me speechless and honestly clueless and my job uh, on how to do my job to explain these things to my own students. I'm doubling down right now. I've had a, <laughs> I've had a week to think about this. People have lost their ever-loving minds, including our dear professor here. What in the world? Have people never, like all of a sudden, okay, so when this first started, when we talked about it last week in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What were the images that were being really pushed out there? There was the Q shaman, 
There was, it was weird people having kind of a weird party, right? Now that weird people having a weird party narrative has totally lockstep shifted to this was an insurrection. They're insurrectionists. Bullshit. I was not there, so I don't actually know, but for sure it was a mob of people got out of control, walked to the Capitol, didn't get any resistance, so kept going, kept going up the steps, didn't get any resistance, went into the door, didn't get any resistance, started walking around offices having a wild party. Literally, I'll help you, professor, explain it to your students. When people get together and drink and get all riled up and there's no real resistance, they'll just do whatever they kind of want and then they tamp themselves down. This was not an insurrection. And I cannot believe that the insurrection narrative has been taken lockstep by everyone. These were domestic terrorist insurrectionists who were trying to overturn the election. They were absolutely, I think they had no idea what they were trying to do. They were there getting out of control. Maybe some of them really thought, if you could poll every one of those people, were you trying to overturn the election? I guarantee many of them thought, yes, the election was stolen. Many, many of them thought we're going to go protest and show our Congress people, you know, that we're upset about this. Nobody was stealing electoral college vote lockboxes and burning them in the street. There was, so this narrative of insurrection, let's call it what it was. Let's just say it was a party that got out of control, blame Trump for it, for inciting it, all that stuff. Great. But calling it an insurrection to me cheapens every insurrection that's ever happened. This was no insurrection. Um, you're not wrong that the majority of those people probably were of the mind that you're talking about. The vast, vast majority. But there are people within the group and actually organizers of the group who implicitly stated that their goal was to steal the election ballots and also hunt down Nancy Pelosi and hunt down Mike Pence. And those things were uh, organized and planned long in advance. I understand that. And I'm sure that those people who actually planned that once they got in the building, were like, uh Oh, what do we actually do now? Like, I well, don't think there was they any- asked for directions and the Capitol police officers gave them directions to the offices. Sure. But was any, was any Congress person touched by any protester? No, because thankfully that group of policing did their job effectively until the, well, they got to the point where it all came to a bottleneck and they actually pulled the trigger and shot the woman. And the guy was punching through the glass and then they pulled the trigger and shot the woman because, you know, they weren't able to hold back the crowd up until that bottleneck and they realized deadly force is kind of the, but I think you're right. Like that party thing, you're absolutely correct. The problem is we know that within any given party, there are just there's going to be statistically some crazy person of who's going to bring a bomb, who's going to do something insane. I mean, and people, and so you can't let the party rage on. I mean, precisely, but that's, and, and I'm not justifying uh, what happened or saying that it was okay or good. Like clearly. And once things start going out of control, then they are by very definition out of control. You know, they're not being controlled and yeah. anything can go wrong at that point. Like I have no doubt that, the mob could have reached such a frenzy that they really did start kicking down Nancy Pelosi's Which door. It, it did. Tr- By the way, they beat a police officer. Sure, on, sure. You saw that video. It's uh, insane. It's awful. With, it a, with an American flag, by the way. And it, a flagpole. Awful, awful, awful. And awful things happened and it was out of control. But to call it like a an insurrection, again, I think is is misuse of, it was a bad mob scene or a mob scene that that went really bad due to lack of lack of bumpers on it, right? I Yes, but... It never would have even 
the rally never would have even taken place if the insurrection wasn't the initial impetus. Mm, if the, uh, I think steal, stop the steal was the chant. Sure. That was the whole title for the entire get together. But I think when people say stop the seal, and again, I'm speaking for. I, I like, think you're right. Most we, people show up just going, I'm going to be supportive of yeah. this movement. But there is, I mean, even with American military, there are the ones who are on the front lines fighting. And then there's all the support staff, you know? And so you're right. The vast majority is the support staff. But the fact that you can get that many people to rally together to do something like support the steel, which by the way is unground, like unfounded. The entire concept was fabricated from the get-go, you know, like to jump, to put your life on the line and jump through all those hoops because one leader is telling you to do these things and you're not kind of using your own critical thinking along the way to assess whether or not the thing that he's saying has any validity is really, really scary. But flipping, flipping that same coin here, I think it's really scary that lockstep the media and the left right now is lockstep calling that thing a dangerous insurrection. Those guys insurrectionists, all this, right? Like I think there's equal groupthink yeah. uh, going on on the other side where people are thinking, no, we're thinking critically. We're looking at this and saying these people are all domestic terrorists. Anybody who supports Trump is a racist domestic terrorist and they proved their colors by raiding the US Capitol. I think, come on, let's really take a step back. Party gone wild, out of control, unfortunate, but let's just, let's call it what it was, yeah. people. Come on. Yeah, I, well, the media kind of lockstep defense is, I think, in response to there is this huge mob. We need to shift the narrative as quickly as possible. And you're right, they're abandoning a lot of kind of nuance and critical thinking in their messaging. But it's the, the reaction, reaction thing has grown to a point where each person is enacting a larger response yeah. to kind of take back their ground. I mean, it's just like the only thing, critical thinking, I think, and free thinking, allowing somebody to think some something different than you and being able to discuss it rationally has all gone out the window. Now, the, now the only thing people can do is scream as loud as they can the things that are indefensible. So on the left to right side, I think they're screaming racist, homophobe, you know, all this kind of stuff where you can't, and just screaming it as loud as they can, right to the left. I don't exactly know what they're screaming, to be honest. I guess they're screaming, you stole an election? I forget. Yeah, whatever <laughs> I mean, it is. you're right. That's, but, what it, but, that's what the current message is. But the, but the, like, the tone is just, there's no way to debate or think freely. Like, yeah. if you have a Trump friend, like, having a Trump-supporting friend now is more or less illegal. Right. If you're on the left. And right. I would imagine the same is true if you have a lefty friend and you're a Trumper. Depending on where you live. Yeah, but I think... Because if, if you live in Texas... If you have, I mean, if you have Trumper friends and you're a Trumper, that's all fine and good. I'm saying if you're a lefty though right. and have right. Trumpers right. as bros, I'm sure your lefty bros are like, you, sir, are an abomination. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild a times. really wild time. Well, this is the... Seg that was meant to tee up a segue to... Uh, Surf adjacent music artist Ariel Pink is canceled. See, I don't even know what this story is. I don't know who Ariel Pink is. So inform me. I was first introduced to Ariel Pink. Why he's surf adjacent? He's surf adjacent for two. He's really could be even considered surf. I think uh, not even surf adjacent. But I was introduced the music of Ariel Pink by Pete Terrace, who is the world's greatest surf photo editor. Uh, when the surf editor photo Hall of Fame 
is erected in San Clemente, Pete Terrace will be the first inductee. He was the photo editor for Transworld Surf, photo editor for Surfing, photo editor for Surfer, and I think changed the game in so many ways. A very beautiful, critical eye. Anyhow, Pete introduced me to the music of Ariel Pink, All Fine and Good. There's one connection to surf. The second connection, his label is called Mexican Summer, which I think has is a surf, surf music sort of specific label. I think a lot of surf bands, surf music. Uh, did I saw Mexican Summer did a collaboration with Pilgrim Supply in oh, okay. New York, like really a, a very surfy music brand. Uh, so anyhow, Ariel Pink happened to go to the uh, insurrection in Washington, D.C., was there on the lawn of the White House, listened to the speech, claims he went back to his hotel to sleep, didn't go to the uh, Capitol, but was dropped, subsequently dropped by his label for even being at a rally. Did, um, was he like posting selfies from there or anything? I think he posted so- something on social. Like, I think he said something like vote Trump or okay. it was something like that, but it wasn't no pictures from Capitol, no pictures of him storming anything. Just he, he happened to be there. His association with that day's events. Canceled. Canceled by his record. Label. Done. That's all. That's all it takes is being, which again, how is nobody standing up at all for any kind of free speech for the right, even if I disagree with what, you know, one thing, if there was pictures of Ariel Pink bashing open Nancy Pelosi's door with a fire hydrant yeah, or a fire extinguisher, fire hydrant would even be, be better. <laughs> That'd be impressive. Uh, another thing to simply go to a rally yeah, and going to a rally now is enough, is a fireable offense. Well, yeah. So it's such a weird little thing because he still has freedom of speech. He still has access to free speech. It's just that a private or company. That's what everybody's saying. But a, a private company who's looking out for their own bottom line is making this. I, I feel like they're making it the statement publicly kind of to elevate their own profile. Right. But, and he's the lamb that they're slaughtering. But in, in response to that, if he has ardent enough fans he can just rally them and just say, okay, well, my next album or my next single or whatever is available for a dollar per. And in theory, he can make more money by cutting out the middleman. Hopefully. So it's, I, I feel kind of both, I feel like it's okay. I feel like that record label has, they're entitled to make their fiscal decision the way that they want to and their messaging and their public relations statement. And he's entitled to kind of respond to it however he wants to and rally his troops however he wants to. I feel like at at once we're in this perilous uh, time that you just described where everybody's head is on the chopping block. But secondly, you're free to kind of do whatever you want and rally your fans and you have enough platforms to access them directly. Trump doesn't now because he's been canceled on all those platforms. But that's the crazy but, thing. I mean, and Angela Merkel, Germany's uh, chancellor, did you read her statement? No. She even came out and said, this is an extremely dangerous precedent to ban Trump from Twitter, right? For big tech to be in charge of our speech, I mean, something something's going to have to change from this. I hear what you're saying, and this is the line that I hear a lot on NPR, et cetera, is that, hey, man, the First Amendment does not protect your speech from private companies. It, you know, it that is the government you can say what you want and the government can't bust you down for it, you know, to, to a degree or whatever that degree is where it's, right. you know, I don't, inciting violence or whatever is shouting fire in a 
you know, crowded theater or whatever the yeah, yeah. stopping points are. But where we, where we don't live in the government space as much we, as we live in the private space and private companies should be recognizing that, Hey, free speech is something that is important. Even if our, you know, a band we hired our employee or whatever, whatever, whatever we should as Americans, free speech should still be a value for us where it's just not anymore. Like, if, if I don't like what you're saying, then you are canceled. And if you're my employee and I don't like it, then I'll fire you. And everybody will say, well, yeah, totally. He was a Trump. That guy was a Trumper. He deserved it. But if you expected Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to be making moral decisions for all of us, that's, you already failed. I mean, that's the problem. So, that we uh, failed as a society. Yes. We, we have allowed them to do that. And that needs to change. I don't know how that changes, but that needs to change. We abandoned those values a long time ago. And we allowed them to kind of be our method of communication and feed us all our information and all that. So my thought was... Trump has violated the terms and service of Twitter for years since he started using Twitter. Okay. For thing he, if it was you or I, we would have been reprimanded multiple times and then ultimately kicked off the platform. Had we been using it the way that he's been using it, that's well-documented, but I feel like Twitter made a fiscal decision, which was we're getting more press out of this than we ever could have paid for. So for four years, they were making fiscal decisions. There was no morality in it. It was strictly, we're going to elevate our platform using this guy who is breaking the terms and service, terms of services. It got to a point last week where they recognized we can continue to make the right fiscal decision by now banning him. Facebook made a certain measure. We're going to one-up them. They got the headline for 24 hours. We're now going to one-up Facebook and take the story back and continue to elevate our platform by now making an even big, again, still a fiscal decision. Sure. That's all that this was. I mean, And completely. there's no reference to morality. There's no free speech, concern about free speech. Nothing. It's none of that. But it's strictly thinking about shareholders. But, but all those things, I mean, I think in the wake of this, in the wake of this time, though, it's time for big tech to get busted up. I mean, well, so monopoly that's, break and it's over, right? I mean, I think. Yes. Well, if, by the way, if Congress had the time to lift their heads above water to actually address this real talk, they would, yeah. but they're too busy trying to address the pandemic, too busy trying to defend against the insurrection at the Capitol. Like they don't have time to actually do the real business that they should be doing, which I think you're absolutely right about. Like we're living in a space where kind of regulating this sort of a thing is now as important as regulating tobacco was in the eighties. Or regulating, you know, big oil, like breaking up standard or, totally. or, you know, big electric, like completely where it is, they have a m monopoly now on our speech. Uh, and are dictating what we can say, and it's well past time for that to, that to stop. They are literally defending against a shirtless Viking who is sitting in the throne. I mean, that's the moment that we're at. Yeah. And it's insane, you know? Insane. So, anyways, Ariel Pink, wow. So, <laughs> Good yeah. Good luck, Ariel Pink. I don't I, even know. Didn't, here's the other thing I always think about, is I run the th everything through a filter of, is there any such, is there no such thing as bad publicity, sure. right? I didn't know who Ariel Pink was before. Now you know. The next time he pops up and he has a song, I'm probably going to listen to it. And we and talked. I never would have before. And just think how many people, I mean, this is a small, a, you know, relatively small subsection, but we've talked about him here. He was in the newspaper. It was, you know, headlines, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I suppose if you're set up to capitalize on that publicity, but the news cycle quickly goes away, right? And so if you're not yeah. capitalizing in that moment, then off you go. How could you not be? 
Well, I mean, cause maybe he didn't know. And I, so he gets dropped and then he's like, oh man, I didn't, I should have had a single ready to mm-hmm. push out in this moment right here to point people to, you know, I should have had my ducks in a row, but if you don't have your ducks in a row, nobody cares. You know, you maybe, maybe if you're lucky, I mean, he's got a week, I suppose, out of this now, cause we talked about it today, but you know, nobody cares. I'll about forget about him in two weeks. Uh, totally. Everyone yeah. will, unless he's, unless he does something to get your attention. I thought he was like an acrobat or something. No. Ariel Pink. Should I, I honestly thought, or I thought it was actually a female. I was like, is that a stripper? Like, yeah. but. Maybe should be also. He can rebrand, you as, know. As a stripper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ariel Pink got canceled. The Proud, the Proud Boy. The Proud chapter Boy. leader in Oahu got arrested. Everybody. came back. Yep. Um, let's transition into novelty surfing let's do it i think we could do a full show on novelty surfing where do you because uh, i was really trying to think about it with so the story you're referencing chuck patterson self-described or his website describes him as what a multidisciplinary multidisciplinary i was really trying to think of what the seven he it claims he excels at all seven disciplines of what i'm assuming was extreme sports and remember nike 6.0 I do. There were the, the 6.0, you remember, stood for the six points of action sports. Yeah. Which I do believe was surf, skate, snowboarding, or snow in general, moto. BMX, uh, maybe? BMX, yeah. Inline skating. Something else. Inline skating? No, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think that was there. But there was six. Whatever was hot that year. There was six. Razoring. Which I cannot remember even the sixth. Uh much less have no even concept what the seventh is. Is it like wingsuiting? Is it? Okay. So I think honestly, Chuck Patterson has chosen these fringe things because there's less competition. Sure. Like I can be the best foil, uh, kite foiler because there's no competition. The best water ski, surf ski. He's by far the best big wave and then skier. I, and then I can claim I'm the best in the world at seven different things. He is. He is That's the best big wave skier by far. He's skied Jaws. Now he's skied Mavericks. So I would like to say right out of the gates, because a lot of this is going to sound like we're making fun of Chuck Patterson. I would like to say right out of the gates, I'm not making fun. It's super impressive. So everything the dude does is very impressive. Oh, I mean, he's super fit. He's paddling. Great looking. Yeah. Paddling. I think he paddles. Doesn't he doesn't paddle into the ski waves. He gets towed, but I think he, he also surfs big waves, which yeah. I think he paddles. And I know he skis big mountains, which is, so he's a phenomenal skier. I assume a competent big wave surfer and also gets towed into Mavericks waves on skis, which brings us back to Ben Gravy. Okay. Uh, novelty. Yeah. You in or out? It's time to novelty reassess. Novelty in general. Novelty and surfing. Novelty surfing. Tanker waves, skiing on waves, Jamie O'Brien riding an inflatable couch on at Pipeline. Any kind I'm of... I'm out. Any kind of whimsy. I'm out. Whimsical surfing. I love that these guys are having fun. I think it's actually detrimental to our experience as a whole because it influences people to go do shenanigans. Like, so you are not a fan. Let me get this straight. You are not a fan of- I'm definitely not a fan. Jackass in the surf. Look, me personally, definitely not a fan. I I don't have any kind of interest in watching it, firstly. So it's not entertaining me. Did you watch Chuck Patterson's cutback on his skis? Yeah, I did in preparation for this show so that we could have something to talk about it, to talk about. But it's 
not entertaining to me. All the ones that you just named, Ben Gravy, Tanker Surfing, uh, Jamie O'Brien on a couch at Pipeline, Chuck Patterson surf skiing at Mavericks and doing a cutback. None of it is entertaining. And it tends to infiltrate my life in certain ways where I'll paddle out on a decent day and people are on soft tops doing shenanigans. Ooh, do you see soft top shenanigans, shenanigans yeah. in Huntington? Yeah, Ooh. totally. Oh yeah, finless, I do too. Finless wave storms. That's true. I three see, people trying to do stuff together. There's, I've seen multiple good, good days. Somebody on a wave storm continually taking off backwards. Yeah, like fin first, totally. take off nonstop. So on a decent day. So that's my personal experience with these novelty shenanigans. So I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I'm entirely out too. Uh, on my dislike of whimsy, I don't like anything whimsical, uh, especially not whimsical surfing. Re, I don't like where novelty really rubs me raw is also when it's entirely not functional. Like, right. why why are you skiing that wave? Exactly. You should, if, if skiing provided some kind of, you could do something different. You could take off deeper. You could go faster. For example, on Beach Grit a couple weeks ago, I do believe now, the guy riding the surf mat, super, super, super oh, yeah. fast. You saw that? Yeah. Amazing. That's not novelty. That guy was going like 120 kilometers an hour on a passing surfers on a surf mat. There was function there, right? There was pure speed function. Uh, If there's no function to the novelty, get rid of it. Kai Lenny foil boarding big waves in windy jaws or whatever. There's function there. Yeah, of course. The foil is above the chop of the water. So even Tom Curran riding Super Dave, he's getting a feeling getting a feeling that he will then try to translate back to a more functional surfboard. Yep. So there's there's a function to the, any of that stuff. I agree a, with I, you. I mean, there's a function to a, like riding Aaliyah's, there's yeah. or Aaliyah's or however you yeah. pronounce it. Is it Aaliyah or Aaliyah? Aaliyah. There's, I mean, I'm not just standard thruster here. As I mean, you could do what you want as long as there's a function to it. And yeah. the function cannot be having fun or well, being so different. That's where I feel like, um, Ben Gravy, not not Jamie O'Brien so much, but Ben Gravy and Chuck Patterson found a loophole where it's like, is Chuck Patterson going to be going to contend with Laird for Laird's position? Probably can't take down Laird. So let me pick a different lane. I'm just going to pick this lane where it's kind of my own lane and I can do my own things and have my own audience and dominate it. And so they've, and bravo, he figured it out. I mean, to a certain extent, he's and, not nearly as popular as Laird. I mean, but made, but, but makes, you know, headlines, make headlines for like exactly. he made headlines skiing at Mavericks. And in theory, presumably he's been making a living as a adventurer. sponsored athlete adventurer for 20 or 30 years yeah. based on that exact thing. Did you know he hails from or lives in Dana Point? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. We should get Chuck Patterson on the podcast. Yeah. I'd love to actually yeah. figure out what's going on. Um, What's your awareness of him? I mean, how familiar with him are you? I am familiar with him or I'm reacquainted with him once every four years when he, when he skis away. Or, yeah. <laughs> so it's working. Yeah. It's but, totally but, working. But like in fits and starts because he yeah. doesn't keep my attention the rest. Of the, I totally forget about him until I see him skiing another wave. And then I think, yeah. oh yeah, Chuck Patterson. I followed him on Instagram so as not to fall into that same trap. Okay, so you want to be aware of Chuck Patterson for the year? I do. You want to see what he's doing, see what he's up to? Yeah. Well, I had, a, I had a thought. I was like, why did I not, why have I not tracked him as well as maybe I've tracked Laird? And the reason is because I grew up with a magazine paradigm 
And I just followed whoever the magazines told me about. And he never fit into the magazines. Well, they never told me about him. We're going to have a new segment week on the show is what Chuck Patterson did last week. And you are going to, I'm going to ask you, hey, what did Chuck Patterson do last week? And you're going to inform us all what Chuck Patterson did. We're going to keep him in the consciousness moving forward. Right now, we won't even be able to dream up things as crazy as what he will actually do. I bet there's going to be a lot of skin diving, like maybe some deep skin diving. There's going to be some... Rollerblading down a rock face. Probably. I think there's going to be like some full gainers off high cliffs into crystalline water. That's too predictable. Full gainers off of high cliffs into a patch of snow. But how, like, how novel do you think, aside from skiing big waves, how novel is Chuck Patterson's life? Is that the one novel thing he does? Or is it because his website made him sound like he is an sort of an all-around waterman adventure guy, you know? And snow. And snow, yeah. Yeah. All-around waterman and big mountain adventure guy. And so I'm going to not look to Chuck Patterson's Instagram, but I'm going to gamble that it's mostly normal, big mountain, big wave stuff with some full gainers thrown in. So is the mountain stuff that he's doing as novel as the water stuff that he's doing? No. He seems like he's straight snowboarding. No, he skis. Oh, he skis. Yeah, he's a skier. Yeah, okay. But it's pretty straightforward, right? I think so. Again, I have not visited his Instagram, but he should be, I guess by rights, uh, riding a big wave gun on a mountain. That would make perfect sense. I mean, that would be, that would close (laughs) the loop, as they say. Yeah. That would be amazing. Now, since you haven't visited his Instagram, and I have, I will tell you, there is a, a lot of selfies. Mm. There's, you know, 50-something-year-old man taking a lot of selfies. Like but, like selfie angle, camera out, looking at the camera, yep. selfie mode on. Yep. Okay. And so I haven't run the numbers, but we could easily draw up a graph that equates selfies with more traction on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's proven at this sure. point. And, and lots of times, it's... Uh, I think it started with the teenage female kind of, but it's certainly breached into, you know, 55 year old action figure male adventurer who's doing it and being embraced by it too. But if his, I would, what the point I'm getting at is if his feed didn't have selfies, I would argue he would have half the number of followers. Oh, for sure. There is a direct correlation between putting a photo of your face on your account and gaining more followers and, or and more engagement. More engagement, for sure. I mean, when you, how often do you post a self-portrait? Rare. I mean, well, not honestly, just a selfie, but a picture of you. I mean, rarely. Very rarely, but, and I do it with a lot of discomfort. But do you do you get many comments, et cetera, et cetera, when you post a picture of yourself? I don't know. I think you do. I bet if you look I think, back. I think I probably do. Yeah. I bet you get more engagement on those posts, comment-wise, than probably. others. Yeah. 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 So I look at Chuck's thing as kind of a, a business experiment, which is how does he make a living, first of all? Through sponsorships. And so if that if that is true, those sponsors want exposure. And if they want exposure, you got to post selfies. You'll get more exposure. Your sponsors will be happier. So if you're really, if your life is your business. He's a businessman. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chuck, like Pat- it, Chuck Patterson, I would imagine, I mean, that is his business, is Chuck Patterson. So you better be promoting, you better be self-promoting Chuck Patterson to whatever extent you can. I don't know. So if we do ever have him on the podcast, I don't know if it's couth to ask this of him. For sure. Which is, is your 
lifestyle um, underwritten by some other, by, you know, your parent or like your wealthy family or something, because it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because all of those things are wildly expensive to do. Let's assume that he lives in Dana Point. Let's assume <laughs> that he comes from, from some sort of wealth. Okay. I mean, I think that's a, that's a correct assumption to make. Be, because even if you are... And, and to be raised skiing, probably. Yeah. You know, he started, I think on his website, he said he started when he was two and a half years old oh, yeah. doing these things. So yeah, if you're living by a beach and going on regular ski trips, then yes, that's probably a fair assumption. But all of those things, uh, foil boards are super expensive. Yeah. The wind uh, surfing thing, it's expensive. And so to not only, if you're making a living doing it from sponsors, you're probably not making a great enough living to then go, hella skiing in Japan, yeah, you know, and then go to Maui to go the wind thing the next week and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I also love, this could be a topic of discussion, centering your life around having fun. Yeah. I never even dawned on me that you could do that. Yeah. I just realized my youth was for kind of having fun and exercising. And then I have to transition into getting a job and working for a living. And I might've been wrong. I don't know that that was a correct thing for me to. Should you? What? Okay, if you could go back and redo, and reset, reset, get on the sled and reset. I mean, ski and reset. Uh, what would you do? What would you be doing today? Jeez, I don't know. Would you be skiing Mavericks? No. I really want it. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to have. I mean, let's be honest. My life hasn't been terrible. I worked in wine. Yeah which is a luxury commodity and also kind fun, of a decent right? lifestyle, fun and decent lifestyle. And I've worked in surfing. So both things are fun. I haven't had it rough, but I still have a uh, responsibility to earn a living. Like I don't have a trust fund. I don't have like, so if you could get on the ski and reset, you would have rich parents. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, I hate to answer the question this way, but I might've even tried harder at school, like oh. gotten an MBA, like take it. I didn't take school very seriously. I feel like if I, there's certain things that if you do the hard work up front, it pays dividends on the back end. But really though, like, I, don't know. I hear, I don't know, dude. I think all you'd be doing there, if you tried harder, you'd be in a job now. You'd be a, like a, you're probably right. Lawyer, not a cool lawyer in the courtroom, but like one doing like, I don't know, property taxes or something like that. And you'd, Maybe, be, you'd yeah. be making a lot of money and it'd be cool. You'd have two weeks of vacation and you'd go surf, but otherwise your life would be not the greatest. I agree. I don't know that I would have done that much differently now that That's I'm really I'm thinking about it because the lifestyle that I've been able to live through my twenties and my thirties, I work hard, but it's all kind of infused with the th things that I'm passionate about. So the lifestyle in my twenties and thirties has been as good as, if not better than a lot of people's retirement lifestyle. Sure. Been able to travel, eat well, drink well, surf pretty regularly. Like the best, good. the best part of our, what we're doing too, we're never going to be able to retire. That's the best part. We can keep doing this till 88 years old, <laughs> which we'll be forced to. Exactly. We won't, we won't have a choice. <laughs> um, so, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the Chuck Patterson's of the world who have centered their life around having fun. Do you think Timmy Patterson, is happy that I confuse Chuck Patterson with Timmy Patterson every time Chuck Patterson's name gets in the news. I think, oh. I think Timmy doesn't have one opinion about that. I think, look at this surfboard shaper just getting it. <laughs> Timmy is not, his happiness is not 
affected by, <laughs> by your Chuck thought Patterson? about Chuck Patterson. <laughs> Are they related? That's a good question. They both Maybe live here. Maybe distantly. Yeah. Patterson's a common name, but I, truly, every time Chuck Patterson's name comes up, I think he's he's in my mind. I crossed Chuck Dent and Timmy Patterson. No way. Yeah. And I forgot I, about Chuck Dent. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, my other thought about, did we say that he skied Mavericks, surf skied Mavericks on the day of days? Did we say that at the beginning of this story? Because if not, we buried the lead. I mean, we did bury the lead. I think it came up, but yeah. We, we mentioned that he surf skied. Yeah. He surf skied Mavericks on Sunday. On the, the day, day that Pete Mel, was it the same day that yeah. Pete Mel caught his wave of all waves? Yeah. yeah. So the day of all days at, at Mavericks, which I, somebody commented in Beach Code. I can't remember who. I should do a better job of remembering who comments what. It's a great comment. Like something, imagine you're sitting out there, going to paddle in for a wave, and there's people actually towing at this point, right? Because Chuck got towed in. There's a helicopter overhead. There's all this. You're just out there trying to, day of all days at Mavericks, totally, obviously paddleable for those, you know, it was not a tow-only day. But I think there was a couple people towing, right? Yeah. I think Justine, Justine DuPont was towing. Who else was towing? Was well, in that clip... Uh, John Mel, Pete Mel's son, gets towed into the first one. Yep. Trevor Carlson, I think, gets the second one, and then Chuck's on the third one. We haven't heard tow paddle beef in a while, I don't think. No, Remember, like, decade ago? Yes. There was real, like, I feel almost fisticuffs totally. in the lineup between towers and paddlers, which it seems like it's all kind of gone away, but were the people out there paddling like furious or is it, is it such a brotherhood at this point where they all know each other and they all know that they paddle like John Mel Pete's kid for sure paddles into waves, right? Yeah, like he did that it, day. Yeah. And it's not like he can't, it's just, so he's having fun doing this also. Is that what they all think? Like, Oh yeah, we're all having yeah. fun. I think together. The, the paddle surfers took priority essentially. Okay. Like the, the trend evolved away from toe as being kind of the cool thing. Or, so, or just what everybody was chasing. And so, and a lot of the toe, a lot, there's a lot of overlap in those communities as well. So if you're driving a ski out there, are you, is a ski driver cruising around through the lineup with the surfer yelling, hey, hey can like wave me in to whoever the bosses are out there, Pete Mel or whatever. And then like everyone agrees in the lineup, okay, this is a, or the people who matter. If Pete's sitting out there on a paddle gun, the toe surfers give way. So they give way, but like at some point you're both committed. And so what the ski driver peels out yeah. once they see Pete actually paddling. I think there's different waves that you're going for too. Okay. So, and I think once it gets to a certain size, it's unpaddleable and that's when the skis become priority. But and it was, it was teetering on that point on Sunday. But how do they, I mean, to me, that seems like a real snap decision. Uh, yeah. Is this too big to paddle? Like you see a guy paddling head down, but you think there's no way he's going to make that. I mean, do you just whip around him? I mean, what are the, I, I suppose gonna, we need to have a big wave Maverick surfer on to explain the etiquette of tow versus paddle. My thought is uh, Pete also towed that day as the swells increasing, he kind of makes a decision. Oh, this last set was too big to paddle. I'm going to go back to the boat and jump on the ski. Okay. Put my reset. Yeah. Put my board paddle board away which Britt Merrick shaped, by the way. I saw, I read that. I surfed with Britt yesterday. Fantastic. Interviewed and surfed with, and then... Um, Is that what you're doing up in slow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was on my way down and then connected with him in Carpinteria. Britt is such a fantastic human being. Really? Yeah. Totally. Um, so my other question with that day of days is, 
50-year-old dudes ruled the day. They did. And Chuck and Pete. Chuck, Pete, and then who else was I thinking about recently that fits in that? Um, was Flea out there? No. <laughs> yeah, well, Chuck and Pete for sure. But what a time that we're living in where, I mean, it makes me rethink fitness entirely. Well, but here's the thing. It shouldn't. Let's be honest. What do you need to surf a big wave? You need like brute years experience, brute dad strength and enough kind of thick dad bod to, to push over the lip. I mean, that's it. Like, and obviously intense bravery and all this stuff, but really like sort of dad strength, dad bod are huge assets they in are. big wave surfing. There's, there's no denying old man strength. Like if you just shake a grandpa's hand, strong, like, what? Put her in the vice. What? Yeah. You look feeble. We've, we've talked about this. Do you, do you want to know where this comes from? Lifting babies. Yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, yes. Lifting the, I mean, it's like a frog boiling in water. You're lifting your baby who's super light initially. And I still carry my kid when she gets tired and she's eight. Right. Yeah. Where, so you just do this gradual frog boiling in water thing where all of a sudden, and imagine Pete, he's probably carried his son, John, after that day, he probably carried him to the car, put him in the back seat. How long are you going to carry Emmy? Uh, <laughs> She's eight. When does it top off? Or- I mean, I feel you can go into early teens, right? With like a piggyback ride, like tired legs. So you go from a front carry to a back carry. Which you're just strengthening all over. Cross training. Huh. That's where dad strength comes How from. How many kids does Chuck have? Because that guy's ripped. Does he's, he have? Does he have some? He's probably got four kids he's carrying probably, all of them at once. He probably carries them while he skis. Probably. Yeah. Um, well, I'm impressed by those guys' fitness, and it does make me. I was talking about counting calories last week. Yeah. I'm going to start layering in new activities because of these guys. But you should also start upping your calorie load. Have you seen Pete Mel lately? Is he thick? He's thick. He's not fat. I, I actually saw him in person two days ago. He's not fat at all. But he is a, he is not a trim man. Yeah. I mean, you don't look he at him. He used to be really slight. He did, but he's, he's just got like dad thickness. Yeah. I mean, right. he has dad thick. Yeah. That well, flan- he covers it well with a flannel. And a four mil wetsuit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but I, I would argue that what allows those guys to do what they do kind of at a level that Nathan Florence wasn't. He was out there at Mavericks too, and he wasn't able to perform. He didn't get the the wave that Pete Mel got. Cocaine. He's Thirty years, <laughs> thirty years of experience out there. Sure. I mean, to find that chip shot, to be able to navigate it the way that he navigated it, is you you couldn't luck into that. But honestly, look at little Nathan Florence, a slight willowy man, right? Imagine the, again, the force you need to get down that wave face. Pete Mel's got it in spades, dense bones, bones that are just like consolidating before they snap. Yep. Like he's just, he's like a black hole of a man. Yeah. Just dense weight. I'm impressed. Totally impressed. Whatever he's doing, I'm all in. But watch, Nathan Florence is going to be paddling into even bigger waves at 50. Yeah, exactly. Because he will have that much experience and Density. density. <laughs> See, but I think your bones get less dense when you. Oh yeah, they maybe do. He's, maybe he's drinking in shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Calcium buildup. Um, I was gonna send this to you yesterday. A um, listener sent it to me. It's a notification on his iPhone yesterday. 
So the date being January 13th at 8.16 a.m. It says, WSL Fantasy Update, last chance to register for the Billabong Pipe Masters presented by Hydroflask. Again, proof proof in point that Eric Logan, CEO Eric Logan, is running all jobs from the pressing send on the notification to printing jerseys to getting COVID and shuttering the whole thing. He's doing it all. It's crazy, All right? by himself, yeah. I mean, we make fun. Of the WSL, uh, I mean, point, certainly point out criticisms, and it's worse than we than we even really point out. Like this, literally, is a push notification from the WSL's app telling you to register your fantasy surf team for the or, Billabong Pipe Masters, which wrapped that took over place a month ago. Over a month ago, the what is going on? Can we talk uh, WSL for a minute, right? Yes, now? yes. Uh, okay, so I've been hearing from multiple sources. That okay, so WSL uh, shuttered, got shuttered in Hawaii, chose, I suppose, to cancel Santa Cruz because they could have. I mean, there's no can't hold sporting events in California restrictions, so I'm sure, an abundance of caution, they shut down Santa Cruz, right? Yeah, decided to restart the 2021 world tour in Australia April 1st at Bells Beach, correct. So now I've heard multiple sources from multiple angles saying there's no way this is going to go off because Australia's quarantine uh, restrictions are so severe that what will happen is, or what will have to happen per the rule of law, uh, I think Maurice Cole was one of these people yeah. in the Beach Creek comments, but apparently the, uh, the surfers have to come into Australia. They have to quarantine in their hotel room for two weeks. They are not allowed to leave for two weeks. Which a lot of them are right now coming back from Hawaii. Yeah. Wade Carmichael's locked up. Connor O'Leary's locked up in hotel rooms. Yeah, so I suppose if every surfer from around the globe goes now, but then he was saying that uh, they're not going to be allowed to surf, freely surf, you know, they'll, they'll be allowed to surf their heats and then have to go back to the hotel room. All of this sounded draconian in a way that is unbelievable. There's no way Australia is that. I mean, I believe that Australia is that quarantined and serious and whatever. But for once, I'm going to say I'm a believer that uh, Bells is going to go off. Really? Yeah. I just don't see, like, is the WSL the entity that will kind of be the spear, the tip of the spear for this sort of a thing? I mean, I think by April, so we're looking at three months, three plus months, right? And who knows the way the world will look in three plus months. So it is definitely not going, or definitely, I don't know, but it hard to imagine that it's going to be as bad and serious as it is right now, correct? Not really hard to imagine. I mean, there's going to be vaccine, or there is vaccine, blah, blah, blah. But there's a new, the new UK strain, and then there's a, New, new strain. Sure. But they just found, I think, in California. But at some point, people are going to have to sort of loosen up. Uh, That's what I would have thought six months ago. Of though. course. You know, like. And, and I get, like, I get it. But also, so I get that the Australian, the, or the surfers will have to go. They'll have to quarantine. Again, WSL should have hired us years ago. I don't know why they just don't do a bubble. Why they don't say, yeah. okay, all pro surfers, we are renting this hotel. Uh there can be no visitors there, unfortunately. If you want to surf in the contest, no visitors. You all can come, but you can hang out with each other, right? You were even going to film it for fun. This is going to be the surfer bubble. 
great content, right? Imagine they get a hotel and it doesn't even have to stink and be at Bell's if nobody can serve. You can get a hotel because that's what uh, Maurice Cole was saying too, is you think you're going to be able to get a hotel room in at Torquay for Easter? There's absolutely no way, right? So screw it. Okay, put them up in Melbourne, film it all, call it the Surfer Bubble, release it as fun content, but force them this two-week thing. And then once they're there in Australia, quarantined for two weeks, uh, then move them to some other bubble somewhere and run the, run the show. So I don't, you're right. They could do something like that on April 1st, but not in Australia. I mean, so- It could happen somewhere in the world. So, so you got to put money on the line here. Are you saying that Bells is going to be a go or Bells is going to be a no-go or Bells is going to go and then get canceled? It'll be a no-go. I'm going to say go. No, I would, yeah, we need to figure out a wager. Yeah. I feel very confident that they will not go on April 1st. I feel confident that they will go. I feel confident that surfing is a bigger deal to Australian at a governmental level. Like the Australian government has money in here. I don't think that it's going to be on the intelligence or even competency of the World Surf League. Uh, but I think that Surf Australia probably has some competent people there and they'll work it out. It'll go. Okay. Mark our words. Yes. We'll figure going. out a wager. Here's another thing that popped up in the last week. The PGA is in Hawaii. Yeah. So how Playing. can the PGA pull it off and and the WSL not? I mean, I've been crowing for weeks about it, but I think it it is Eric Logan himself yeah. is responsible for what has happened to pro surfing in general and also responsible for what happened to pro surfing in Hawaii. Without his COVID positive and then the dumbass way that he went about it uh they'd be serving sunset tomorrow totally is it tomorrow next week whenever the 19th the 19th yeah yeah, yeah i mean look if and they would be doing the pipe pro and the backdoor shootout the, eric eric logan himself totally wrecked it the weird thing was um the canceling the event for the five days which again we thought was regulate it or like a but mandate no, from the government. He came out and, and then him it. saying that, no, that was his decision makes absolutely no sense because if the business can still run despite the contraction, then run the business and have a successful quote unquote kind of business event or, or like that is the purpose of the business. So make that the priority. And the fact that they didn't do that was, yeah, the, I mean, it the undermines the, doing number two. The delay only threw a brighter spotlight on the bungling. Right. Which I think, yeah. again, it's all a PR issue. I mean, COVID, I think, or response to COVID is as much health and safety as it is public public relations, right? Yeah. Like Hawaii's economy is still very much tourist dependent. And so if they, if the feeling is COVID is running rampant over there because of sports stuff, then a tourist may not come, right? And right. so the publicity brought on by the World Surf League was not good for Hawaii. That's why I got canned, I think. And if like, if Eric would have figured out, okay, who did I see or con contact tracing? Who was I with? Let's quarantine those people until they have, you know, a double negative test or whatever. But let's let the show go on. Unless he was just like out mingling with all the surfers, which would be what an asshole move that would be. Right. If he was putting himself in the middle of stuff, yeah, silly. It's wild. Gotta go. It's Sorry, really Eric wild. Logan. Fired. There's, there's not a lot of other explanations for the way that the whole thing played out. You're fired. I'm gonna take Trump's <laughs> patented you're fired and start using it. Um, so speaking of Hawaii golf, 
Kelly Slater and President Barack H. Obama posting a video selfie with Barack Obama shouting out Anderson Pack. Yeah, did that? What did you think what? when you saw that? Did I you, thought. Did you think Kelly Slater is so much more powerful than I ever imagined? Or did you yes, think. I did. Or did you think Barack Obama is so much sillier than I ever imagined? He's slumming it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because we know that Barack was born in Hawaii. Sure. And that he. Um, stand-up paddles and bodyboards goes there regularly on so he, family yeah, vacations he, i've never seen right him stand-up surfing but he's obviously enjoys the surf kind of lifestyle or adjacent lifestyle and so he i would argue he has an awareness of who kelly slater is. for sure that's that's not surprising to me so when cal when i i think they just happen across paths no this is this is what the wife said too you don't happen to cross paths with a ex-president with a large uh Secret security detail. I'm not saying they're like they went golfing. Obama's together. waiting for Kelly to tee off. They they went golfing together. I like, how do you know? Because That's your presumption. My because there's no way you bump into an ex president. Like Obama may have. I guess they may have been. I I highly doubt that there was anybody even golfing that day besides Obama. Like ex-presidents, right. the security detail that goes in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they clear the course. They clear the course or at least enough of the course where he's not like seeing Kelly through, you know, three greens over. Right. Oh, Kelly. Right, so right, right. So I will say they went, I'm sure they are in communication with each other, right? So I would imagine now clearly they email or text or something. They know each other. Mm. Uh, you know, set up a tea time, Kelly. Hey, Brock, I'm in Hawaii too. Let's go golf. So worked it yeah. out, went golfing together, and then are doing like whimsical shout out videos to their bros. The, Barack seemed like they weren't hanging out. It seemed like they were on kind of different agendas or playing, let's say, with different um, groups. Okay. And so Barack leaned in for the shout out to Anderson Pack and then was on his way. So what if your scenario... My they do their bros. Well, they do clear the course. Yeah. But there's um, a group of like Barack's on the island. There's a bunch of dignitaries and maybe celebrities who kind of want to spend time with them. They're like, okay, well, well, we'll do it on the golf course. We'll play a round of golf. And there's tier A people that you're going to kind of be around. Tier B, we'll allocate a little, maybe we'll have lunch with everybody. I mean, but that's- So, so Kelly is playing a different hole and they do cross paths, but it's organized kind of from a, PR level. Well, this is, I mean, this would be really easy to solve. All we have to do is search hashtag Barack Obama and see if there were other people on the golf course with Barack that day. Yeah. Because there'll be a lot of selfies or a lot of, a lot of photographic evidence I, of that, of that happening. I, I think there's a, I just can't imagine your version where it's like they're playing in a foursome together. They were, they seemed way too chummy. The way Barack leaned in my friend Kelly here, da, 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 da. like it, the whole thing was way too chummy uh, to be like, Kelly did not look starstruck. Barack Obama seemed completely comfortable with what was happening. There seemed to be a genuine rapport and friendship. Like Kelly was turning the camera off. Okay. See you later, bud. To Anderson Pack, turning the camera off to like laugh more with Brock and make fun of each other's shots. Like they seemed to be hanging out. See, I didn't read it that way. I saw, I Watch thought again. it was. Watch again okay. and think these guys are hanging out. I'm impressed by Kelly. I am disappointed by Barack. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Kelly. But, uh, but it did seem, it did, I will say, it did cheapen Barack to me. Seeing him like, wait a second. What is this silliness? But good on Kelly. 
I, I don't think it cheapens Barack at all because Kelly is the 11 time world champ. Like he the is the world's this, greatest surfer. Yeah. I mean, that is a, who wouldn't want to. And not, not that I think necessarily super highly of Barack, but I guess the having a dignitary, like if I saw Kelly kicking it with the queen of England, I'd be like, Oh queen, what are you doing? Not because it's Kelly, but you're supposed to be sort of above it. Yeah. And so the See, chummy, the chummy shout out thing with Kelly Slater. But so that's I'm, Barack's brand. Barack's brand was the president that you'd want to have a beer with. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Oh man, G-Dub was the president I wanted to have a beer with. <laughs> I love how you're not impressed by Kelly, not impressed by Barack. Yeah. Like who would, who would impress you? Uh, if Kelly Slater, if Kelly Slater yes. said, Hey, who could Kelly take a selfie with my friend, George W. Bush is here on the golf course and G dub stuck his head in. I'd be like, that is a power move right there. G dub has done nothing on his own strength. He literally was foisted into political power Love by his him. family's Love leverage. Him. He had zero interest in being a president. The he had best. zero moxie. Oh. He had zero ambition. He was just like, uh, I guess since you guys are pushing me from behind, I'll, I'll stand here. I'll tell you that the George W. Bush uh, biography is my dream book to write. If I could go spend time with one public figure, not even one American president, not even one politician, one public figure, Anybody, I could spend time with Queen, could spend time with George Clooney and write a book. I would pick George W. Bush. I see why. George Walker. He's he, very interesting. The frat boy who, he was funny too. People just got mad and said he was dumb. He was funny. Was he the butt of the joke or the instigator of the joke? Did he know that he was funny? Yeah, for sure. For sure. He was like, I'm sure he was the funniest dude in his frat. I'm sure he was the funniest dude in his he was college. A Ky- was he a Kyle in the frat or a Chad? You know what I mean? Like, no, he's doing, he's sculling a beer for a joke, but there isn't a lot of sophistication to the joke. I bet there was a lot more sophistication. I think he was playing at multiple levels, right? He's playing at I Have Family Legacy. He's playing at I'm Running Away From That Legacy. He's playing at, I mean, maybe I've just watched, did you watch and or like? Uh, was the movie W, the one with Josh Brolin? I never as, watched it. Oh, it's phenomenal. The or Oliver, I liked it. Oliver, Stone. Oliver Stone's yeah. W, yeah, where Josh Brolin plays G-Dub. I'll watch it. It's, I like Oliver Stone. Yeah, it's it's worthy of a watch. Okay. I'm going to go rewatch it tonight. Yeah, okay. G-Dub. That's the one I would love just to spend. He's, he's a painter now, paints portraits. No way. Yeah. Are they good? Yeah, I mean, he, he has like art shows and stuff. Look at his paintings. How much does a portrait from G-Dub cost? I don't know, but I hope that after I write his biography, I get one. Have you uh, seen Jim Carrey's portraiture? Oh, no. Is that good? Really good. Huh. Like, really good. Like, how much would you how much would you buy a Carrey for? I mean, I want it. I'm not in the market, but they're, they're massive scale. Yeah. Like, just massive scale, and they're really well done. Imagine if you're a Jim Carrey, and people know you for being Jim Carrey, but you also have a phenomenal talent as an artist. Uh, would you attach a different name to your artwork just so people, because I think people only, they would think, oh, look at Ace Ventura painted that, right? right, Which, I mean, you would almost have to take a pen name for your art. Yeah, or they'd give extra kind of kudos to it because you're Jim Carrey. Like you look at Bob Dylan's artwork and it's terrible. It looks like a third 
third grader did it. Yeah. But people love it and they spend a bunch of money because Bob Dylan did it. But but Bob Dylan is also considered an artist. True. Where Jim Carrey, I don't think is considered an artist, right? He's considered a comedian, maybe an actor at best, but not- Which, those are arts. I mean, those are liberal for arts. Sure, for sure they are. Yeah. And Jim Carrey has done serious film too. Yeah. But I think if you- walk down San Clemente and ask people, what, what's a Jim Carrey movie? Nine out of 10 would say Ace Ventura. For sure. Dumb yeah. and Dumber, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. there was an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, the J Jerry Seinfeld show, where he interviews Jim and he goes, picks him up at his home studio and they go get coffee. And at the end of the episode, he drops him back off and they go inside and look at some of his stuff. That's where I was first introduced to it. But I've seen it pop up in news occasionally since then. And I remember being like, blown away at how um like actually disciplined you know there's one thing that is just like here's an artistic expression but there's another thing about understanding like the technique of applying paint sure. to a canvas and things like that like he was very very seemed like he was trained yeah like very professional about his art but then also the artistic expression side of it was really kind of profound do you think if you're a jim carrey that and you have a either a talent for painting or at least an enjoyment and or an enjoyment and a talent uh do you then invite over you know whoever uh stinking what's his dude uh julian schnabel Hey, Julian, come over and talk art with Julian Schnabel, get some pointers, like invite over famous sure. artists yeah, and like glean. Yeah. Basically take your, take your art major. Well, you would use your celebrity to then hang out with people in this other sphere that you love yeah. and admire. Yeah. Um, you know, who's another fascinating figure to me from that world is Dennis Hopper. Oh yeah. Dennis Hopper made some beautiful paintings. Amazing. And, and he's a, a photographer too. Yeah. Yeah. But a, he was a huge collector and supporter yeah. of yeah, art in general, but a fascinating figure. Every once in a while, like there's been a few documentaries that have been made about him. Have you ever watched Heart of Darkness? Yeah. The doco about Apocalypse yeah. Now? Yeah. yeah. He's very interesting in that one. Totally. Uh, well, Kelly and Obama, coming back to that, in your article about that, you talked about who your most famous friend is, yeah. which is, of course, Scott Kahn. What? <laughs> I, I loved the comments on that. Like... Uh, the comments oh, they were hilarious. The, the best, like Negatron for sure plumbed, met Prince Charles because he was plumbing the bathroom. Did you read that one? Yeah. Yeah. Plumbing the bathroom of the, that the queen was going to use. So met Prince Charles in New Zealand. Yeah. Great. There was such great famous friends or famous adjacent friends in there. It was very, very, very fun to read. Hilarious commentary about the adjacency. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this one time I did this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, Prince Charles Another really fascinating derelict in that is venerated. Have you watched The Crown, the season with Prince Charles? Yes. I started The Crown and loved it and did not have any support in the home for continuing. But huh. uh, Mine's the opposite. I had no support for Lauren watching it, but I just caught glimpses occasionally and yep. it hooked me. And the Prince Charles thing, I was like, oh my God, this guy is a full Daryl. I got I to gotta go start The Crown from ground up again. I got to force the family to watch yeah. The Crown. Yeah. Um. All right, so but so in that article, you talk about Scott Kahn. You also talk about Mal Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano parked her car. I rifled through her purse. No way. Yeah. She left her purse in the car she with did. the valet? Was, yeah, she left the purse on the front seat in the car, rifled through it, stole some quarters and a stick of gum. Shut up. How rude is that of me? How old were you? Uh, Probably old enough to know better. Probably 20. Anybody who trusts valets? Oh, I my mean, goodness. 
never trust a valet. I mean, if, if you, you can self-park, so self-park. Yeah, always. My brother and I worked together. Uh, it was a private valet company, so it worked, you know, mostly parties in Malibu or in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, we both liked the parties in Malibu because we would take Lamborghinis and play bumper cars before we parked. We would race up and down and hit each other's bumpers going, Shut. yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, you can't be racing and hitting bumpers because yeah, that would I mean, be a proper we, crash. We would race each other and then tap each other's bumpers at all the lights and then whip around and do the thing. Would again. the car show the effects of the bump? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Dude, if I went out to get my Lambo and there was a scratch on the bumper, I, I would think I would notice. I mean, it's dark. And I, I think there's no, like the liability release with a valet. I mean, there's, I, well, yeah, I, the stories I could tell. We worked Crazy. a wedding one. <laughs> worked a wedding once and they didn't bring us food out, even though that's not a requirement ever, but they didn't bring (laughs) us wedding food. And yeah, my brother and I got so frustrated that we wrote horrible things in the wedding book where you sign and the, our valet boss came and read it and was so perturbed by it that he threw the book in the bushes. And then, yeah, so those people that day lost their, lost their wedding registry book. Yeah. Awful things. Here's what I'm, another thing that I'm fascinated by in life is giving the keys of the kingdom to the lowest paid people. Yeah. You know, like the security at whatever is just like an $8 an hour out of shape somebody. And he's that he is the thing standing between chaos and order. For sure. Or you will put all of these precautions in for a wedding and spend all this money, but the people valeting the cars don't have any background checks. Here's another one. Who's going to install your security system at your house? Yeah. It's an ex-convict. $15 an hour guy. 15 hour who can't get a job anywhere else. And now he knows the security codes to come and go out of your home. How many? Like it doesn't make any sense at all. How many messages are we going to get from security professionals who say that is inaccurate? This is a professional industry with highly paid, highly motivated employees. Somebody is installing a security system right now listening to this podcast yeah. and just gonna delete the episode and send hate mail. St- but take those codes before um, you do that. I'm so fascinated by your, uh, so what kind of a car was Alyssa Milano driving? Uh, it was, if I recall, a BMW SUV. Modest? Yeah, for, but it was like, Alyssa. At, at the time it was, you know, I think it's right when they introduced the X5 or something. So it, it had a bit of cachet, if sure. I recall. I think it was white. But it's still modest for her yeah, level yeah, yeah. of celebrity. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, there was no hotter girl than Alyssa to a young David Lee Scales in high school. Did Did you follow her on uh, Who's the Boss? Where yes. did you Where did you first? That was learn? my introduction. Okay. Because I was younger than her, and yep. so I must have been going into like prepubescent and then puberty, and just looking at her going. That could be the girl next door. Not on my street. That is the ideal girl next door. Yeah. Unbelievable. And she has gone nuts in her kind of the last 10 years. Oh, is she nuts now? She's insane. What does she do now? She's just all political, like politically active. I don't know that she even works anymore as an actor. It's just all of her messaging on any platform is just some political rant. And it just, she's deranged, you know? And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what your political agenda is or views are. If you're that deranged, if you're that kind of invested in it, it looks like derangement from the outside. You know, if I just, every time I see her face, she's ranting about the rainforest or 
puppies in shelters or whatever it is. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, do you ever just relax? Are you just that obsessed every day? You wake up, you start mashing your thumbs into your phone with some rant about something. She should start ranting about bad valets is what she should start. If she knew about it. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll know now. Yeah. Sorry, Alyssa. Chewed so, your so your advice to anybody who's considering getting their car valet, don't. don't leave anything valuable. Don't leave anything valuable. And if you can at all help it, don't. I mean, some Got places it. you have no choice. It is forced valet, then take your medicine and valet. But if you can help it, and especially, I think hotels and things are one thing. But if it's uh, a third party. If it's a third party, you're at a private party and they hired a valet out, then be very, very wary. And now I'm thinking, should I just never tip a valet? Because no, tip big. No, because you've already rifled through my stuff and I'm never going to see you again. Now I'm getting in the car. It's not as if my tip retroactively makes you go back and unrifle through my things. Well, but you, you're, it's like paying it forward. You're going to help the next car not get the same treatment. You also, think? Yeah. Also, so your bad behavior was based on getting poor tips from the previous. No, customer? but it was, it was like a general, I mean, it was bad behavior inbred, a, exactly. in, a born bad sort of thing, but also that born badness would get assuaged through the night. If tips were good, I'd start hustling. So the later, the later cars get less kind of, if tips are good, then it's like, yeah, I'll run a little quicker. I won't, Grind the gears on purpose. Grinding gears on purpose. Like I'd love to just power shift all the way in without ever pushing pushing the clutch. Brutal. Just this is brutal. Yeah, brutal. I wouldn't do that today. This is all gonna come back and bite you. I know. I don't valet, so I won't. You've got karmic a karmic boomerang coming fast. It's at your head. so true. It's gonna be one of Chuck Patterson's ski poles. <laughs> Why does he have poles? I don't know. <laughs> so he's literally what what looks like water skiing, but it's called surf skiing because he's under his own power, but he's surf skiing down Mavericks poles. with poles. Yeah, the It pole. makes zero sense. I mean, the poles- It's only a, it's going to hurt you. The poles should have little sleds on them too. Then it'd be kind of cool. If it was like, yeah. had little mini surfboards on the pole or little mini skis on the poles, then I could see, okay, he's like, you could sort of change direction or something. Maybe. It would be doing the same thing that a ski pole does. Yeah. Which is a kind of a pivot point. Yeah. Hilarious. Chuck Patterson. Hilarious. Uh, all right. Well, I think we should go to commercial break and then come back with yeah, Barrel or not. Chaz, welcome back to the show. That was a great ad. I heard an ad. Uh, I happened to listen to or catch one of our podcasts driving to Jackson. I think it just popped up. Uh, you know, yeah, I was audibling. I audibled, in case you wanted to know, Death on the Nile by Agatha Christie. Mm. And then on the way back, Troublemaker by Leah Ramini, her get out of Scientology story. Mm. Leah Ramini? Remini. The Remini, yeah. Leah White Remini. Girl and King of Queens, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of dirt about Tom Cruise, which is kind of fun. Um, I love the Scientology story. Yeah. Like I watch any documentary yep. about it. It's so fascinating to me. And I love the idea that Tom Cruise is so crazy. You get a, you get a lot of crazy Tom in her book. Yeah. Like okay, cool. A lot, a healthy dose of crazy Tom. I love crazy Tom. I mean, it's, it's almost worth getting. You can skim read up until you get to the crazy Tom part. Um, 
So what you were talking about an ad? An ad popped up, and uh, I think I do believe it was for McDonald's. And I thought, crushing it on we're our getting, podcast. Yeah, we're getting McDonald's ads. Amazing, blowing it out. Um, did you see? Uh, never mind. It's not even worth mentioning. <laughs> um, so, barrel or not? Nah, this is. Rem- I was reminded of this. There's a great documentary, but then Chuck Patterson reminded me of it too. Barrel or not? Nah, water parks. Oh, Big Barrel. Really? For me, Big Barrel based solely on Bill and Ted's adventure. Big adventure. What was it? Excellent Excellent. adventure. Sorry. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. When Napoleon goes to the water park. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That made water parks so, you know, growing up in Oregon, it's no stinking water park. It's too cold or none around me. Uh, But the idea of a water park, a bunch, it's like the mall you know, in those 80s movies, it was like the mall except fun and active. I had the most fun of my life at water parks when I was a kid, but the idea to me now seems Why, insane. That, that it's gross water? Partially that. Also, it's uh, legal liability for injury. Yeah, but like those, remember those water slides that would go basically vertical? When yes. that was a, yeah, like that was so much fun. Like the thrill. Yeah, I mean, of course. The the feeling of, it was like a roller coaster that had actual consequences to it, <laughs> which was, I mean, as a kid, I loved I them mean, as truly. a kid. I got to go back to, like, I, I feel they're not doing water parks like they used to. So there's a documentary on HBO called Class Action uh, Park. It's about water parks? It's about a water park in the middle of America somewhere, I forget where, that was um, not very well engineered. It was like this guy who had a bunch of money from some other business and like a real crazy streak, just like this wild cowboy type businessman. And he's like, draws up a slide on a piece of paper, then hires all of these construction guys to go build the slide. But, you know, they don't screw in the screws fully or something so the kids go down and just get lacerated by exposed nails or they make one that's a loop-de-loop and and people drop out of the yes people drop out of the sky or it's a it's an enclosed loop but still like the it wasn't engineered properly so they don't have enough inertia or momentum so you drop to the bottom of the slide yeah like they fall out or if the kid weighed 200 pounds he might not make it but like it was just and every um ride or slide or whatever was equally fraught with peril. And there was just like endless lawsuits, endless stories of people getting maimed and injured. Death? I don't remember if they died or not. I watched it a couple of months ago, but it's class action park is this, what it's okay, called. Okay, thank it's you. It's crazy. I'm going in, going to watch it. But kids are so dumb. And then the other thing is talking about paying, giving the kings, keys to the kingdom to the lowest paid people in society. They hire teenagers who are oh, just yeah. getting drunk all day to be the quote lifeguards. So they're standing at the top in like shoving kids down. You talk about the vertical drop ones, kids just getting airborne, oh, you know, yeah. and then like connecting at the bottom and breaking a, a tailbone. Oh yeah. So like, good. Wild, wild story. Is there, is there a video footage of yeah. kids just getting out of control on the park? Yep. I'm excited. Yeah, because news the news started covering it back. And it was like in the late 80s, I think. This makes me even more excited to go to a water park. I can't wait till it warms up. I think it's supposed to be warm this weekend, but all it the is, water parks, yeah. I'm sure, are COVID closed, aren't they? They're definitely COVID closed. And are they even in existence otherwise? I don't even know of a water park. I'm going to go anymore. Google like the most fabulous water park in the world and find it. 
the Palm Springs surf pool that's going to has know, a water park connected to it. No, it was a water park. Yeah, yeah, it it's was. It's no longer a water park. Are, are you sure? I thought they were going to keep the water park up and running. I mean, I'm probably totally wrong here. I thought the water Maybe park the, was going to be a fun thing it, that you could also you're do right. there. You're right. Maybe they will re-up on that, but it's been closed for years. Yeah. Um, the two that we had in Orange County have long been closed. Raging Waters and Wild Rivers. Yeah. I think those have been closed. No, no. Raging Waters is in San Dimas. Is that still open? Yeah. Up, I mean, it was as of a couple years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing I remember from being a kid is there was just so much chlorine to disinfect whatever bacteria would be in there that I'd come home with just bloodshot eyes. Oh, yeah. I like, couldn't see for a day. But I remember there was regular uh, advertisements for both Raging Waters and uh, Wild or whatever they were called. Yeah, Wild Rivers. Yeah, Wild Rivers on and whatever, like water park commercials were a regular part of my childhood television totally. watching experience, totally. uh, which just made it even better. Like all those kids having so much fun going down the, whatever, the new slide, introducing. Da, 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 da. It would be like the commercial while you're watching Montel Williams. Exactly. Just, did, oh. did you watch those terrible daytime talk shows? For sure. Anytime I was, Jerry Springer. anytime I was sick, that's what Me it would too. be. But then you realize that, like society was smart with those or American society was at least by making them so odious that after a while, you're like, oh man, I'm definitely going to school tomorrow. I am not sitting totally. home and watching Montel one more time. Price is Right was, Price is right was kind of fun for a second, but even nah. one hour, the Price yeah. is Right, you're like, you yeah. just a sour taste in your mouth afterwards. It got so redundant too. Yeah. Like every episode of Montel was Sylvia Brown, that yeah. psychic. Every yeah. episode was of Maury was, he is not the father yeah. or whatever. Like it, it started out where that was just, Every once in a while they yeah. would do the, uh, find out who the dad is. And then that became every single episode, but it was, it's a hilarious concept to think that a nine year old Chaz or David sitting at home, sitting there watching uh paternity results. Yeah. So like this woman's life is like, this is the hugest day of her life. She happened to sleep with two people in the same week, nine months ago or whatever year or two ago. And now she's sitting there like waiting with bated breath. And you and I are sitting there eating a Pop-Tart going, yeah. this is so good right yeah. now. Oh, <laughs> like man. it's a nine-year-old. Yeah, it's totally. hilarious. Totally. Hilarious. Doesn't happen anymore. No, this is what stimulated your later bad behavior with valet. Complete, completely. But barrel on water parks. Barrel. Okay, I'm Huge going. Huge barrel. I'm going nah. Just too dangerous? It's just gross to me. Yeah, like. Risk, risk reward is not there? Correct. Correct. It, at the time when I was a child, I thought that was the greatest idea ever. As an adult, I'm like, I don't see any Whipping redeeming down a quality. What? It, uh, yeah. Okay. Even okay. even if like somebody has a slide in their backyard. Oh yeah. I'm not interested in going down that at this point in my life. Gotta go down. It's it. gonna be friction. Gotta go down. Like, there's in Copenhagen. There's the greatest little place called Baby Baby Bar, which is on the uh, whatever the port. I mean, they all, you know, the waterway there. Yeah. Uh, they have a water slide. Uh. Going, you know, you climb up the water slide. It's like one of those backyard pool ones. Okay. Like, I think it's two, it's bigger than that. It's like two loops around. But then jumping off to, to like, I think it's like probably 15, 20 feet to the water. That's super fun. So you come off the water slide, do a little backflip into the water. Super All right. good. All right. Into it. All right. Love it. I'll reconsider once COVID goes away and they're open again. Yep. Uh, barrel or not, black surfboards. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Even trendy. They look cool, kind of, 
But the melting wax thing is real. I've surfed a black surfboard in tropical-ish waters, and the wax was gone by, I mean, it's just silly. It's silly, and they- What if it has front traction? They, I mean, if you got your traction on, and that's your thing, but don't they delaminate and stuff too? I mean- The black? Yeah. I think they get so hot. Maybe. It's not a, surfboards should not be black. Just, I, I get a lot of things look cool black and should be black. Surfboards are not one of those things. Okay. Like surfboards can be any color of the rainbow other than the darker colors of the rainbow, i.e. black and or like dark purple. It's it's just, I don't like, functional. I don't like to be form over function guy. I mean, function over form. But with this, with, with the wax melting off, you just got to be. Okay. So. No barrel. No black. No black surfboards. Nope. Sorry, Dion. Um, the uh, dude at the Capitol wearing the headdress with the bare no shirt on that we talked about yeah, last week. The Q- Is that the Q shaman? That's the Q shaman. He lives with his mom. Ooh. So barrel or nah, living with your mom as an adult. Uh, I'm going to say nah. I'm going to say only psychos, i.e. the original psycho, live with their moms. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I can't do it. Okay. You cannot do it. You I got thought you it. would find a redeeming angle here. No. As, as positive as I've been, I cannot justify living with your mother as an adult man. That dude literally lives with his mom. Yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, it's not crazy at it's all hilarious. when you see him. What's, what's he going to do? Uh, like, yeah, he's spending all his time being the Q shaman. Yeah. wonder what his mom thinks. Like, I know. she's like, my son's famous. Did that guy get arrested? I don't uh, think he did. I'm not sure. They're really going to town after anyone who even set toe in that thing. Um, the living with your mom thing. What if it's doing her a favor? Nope. She needs some help around the house. You're doing yourself. You're going to save on rent. Nope. You're, you're becoming Norman Bates is what you're, all you're doing is Norman baiting yourself. Mm. Yeah. You're Norman baiting. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. What? Okay. What if this is an extension of the barrel or not? You live in your childhood home. No. So your mom passes away. You inherit the house and you move in. Uh, sell it. I think sell it too. Yeah. I think that childhood things need to be left behind at some point. And the childhood home is one of those things, I think. Unless it is like a castle or a historical home, uh, sell it. Or if you don't want to sell it, Airbnb it or rent it. You yourself don't live there. Yeah. Yeah. Living. Yeah. There's no question. I was going to try to find an angle too to justify living with your mom. No. It's bad news it is. all the way across. You could be a good apple, but if you go live with your mom, it's going to, you're going to develop some weird tendencies, idiosyncrasies that are going to be irreversible. You're going to be norm invading. I'm going to argue to anybody out there. There are listeners, I'm sure, who live with their mom who are adult males. I don't care if you have to go into debt, if you have to pick up a job at wherever. McDonald's, anywhere. Start driving for Amazon on the weekends and nights. Do it. Don't go with your mom. And and then the alternative is you have to get a studio apartment in a crappy neighborhood. Do it. And immediately. If your mother needs assistance and help and you're helping her out, then have your mother live with you. Like in the studio apartment. Yeah. There's a big difference between living with your mom and your mother living with you. Because it's on your terms. Precisely. Those are two separate things. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, no barrel. Sorry. Sorry. Da, there's sorry. no barrel in there. No matter sorry, what. Sorry, mother lovers. Can't even find a head dip. Nope. Nothing. Your 
Norman Bating. It is. <laughs> Norman Bating. New t-shirts coming. All right. Well, we solved it and we've done some good in the world. How mad are people going to be on my pronouncements that the Capitol Hill insurrection was no more than a rambunctious party and that George W. Bush is the personality I'd like to spend time with? I would have expected you to get more flack last week. And the fact that you didn't makes me think you're in the clear this week. Okay, sweet. Because, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, a sensitive topic last week. It's less sensitive now. I don't know, but the, but the whole thing has been branded. Then it hadn't really been branded yet. Now it's full on branded. This was a failed coup. Yeah. This was branded, but less emotional. Uh, let's hope. I think you're safe. Okay. Where do they send their hate mail? Uh, send Chaz at beachgrid.com. Very go. easy. Or, there you go. DM or DM at surf journalist. Yeah. Um, you talked about being grateful, grateful for the DM last week. Yeah. Uh, did that stimulate new DMS? It didn't. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I agree with everything that you said about it's rad. This like the community aspect and being able to engage in real time. All that is amazing. I just haven't figured out how to schedule my life in such a way that I can maintenance all of it. I mean, it's hard. I will, or it's not hard. What, who am I joking? I, I am sloppy in my communication, but yeah, that does not mean like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll go a week or two sometimes sure. without even like looking at anything. I'll, I'll go like, yeah, days and days and days. And then I'll feel a bit bad when I, I get feel, into it. I feel bad. And then I'll spend, let's say an hour on a Saturday morning kind of, banging out responses. The problem is that only stimulates more communication. So like for every, yeah, 10 responses, then 10 emails I send back or DMs I send back, then I get 10 new ones. And it's like, and new ones come in in the interim. Now I'm maintenancing a hundred different dialogues. It's impossible. You know what you need? You need to give the keys of your castle to a low paid intern. You should, all the responsibility. I think interns should be free. Exactly. I'll do or it to a free, a free intern. intern. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm in. Then I'm in. All right, Chaz. Uh, next week, we'll be back at Album. Of an update on the Popeye's chicken sandwich. That's right. That's right. I feel like I was waiting for another update, too. Oh, yeah. Chuck, Chuck Patterson. What did Chuck do? I know. I thought there was one from last week, but whatever. Can't think of it now. Uh, all right. Good show. Beachgrit.com. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Chaz, until next week. Get barrel. Get barrel.